Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hi there, it's Lucinda Carney from the HR Uprising podcast. And this week, we've got one of our real HR episodes. I'm delighted that I've got Annette Nunce with me today. Now, Annette's got a fantastically interesting background uh, that not many of us have got. She's actually a veteran, but I'm going to let her tell us all about this. Um, And also, she's taken her skills in a variety of ways. She's Obviously, she's been qualified recently in psychology um, and she specialises in career coaching as well. So when we spoke to Annette, we thought she would be a really great example of someone who's got an inspiring background uh, in terms of our Real HR series. So Annette, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out to me. I truly appreciate it and giving me the platform to just kind of tell my story. Um, so I, like you said, um, I am a veteran. I was in the Marine Corps active duty for eight years. Um, it, it kind of feels like it flew by a lot of experiences. Um, during that time, I was a part of uh, Operation Enduring Freedom. We were in Bahrain. Um, and so through that, my main job was admin. And through admin, I did a lot of things that specialized in um, career planning for folks, also resources when it came to like their benefits for their spouses and understanding different benefits with pay, um, a lot of records management, because no matter in anything, we need to always keep our records, you know, good for um, documentation and such. Um, and so... That's been, um, there's a lot of words for my eight years, but that that was what I did then. And then once I got out in 2018, I started grad school at the University of Pittsburgh. And that um, is my master's in social work with a concentration in community organization and social action. So the role that you did, um, you described it as admin, but you were out there uh, in Bahrain, were you? And so it was. It sounds like it was, it was a level of HR in, in the military. Was that right? Yeah, that definitely, because a lot of the work that we did centered around the person, understanding what is it the person needed documentation wise, making sure we had our accounts, ensuring that we knew where everyone was. So it's like inventory of people and inventory of resources, understanding all of that. So when it is time for you to report to whoever is in your leadership, you know where everyone is, you understand what needs. So say, for example, you know, while we are out there in Bahrain, someone has a family member pass away, there's a proper protocol and paperwork um, that needs to be done for that person, that member to be sent back home to ensure that they understand what's going to happen to their pay or what's going to happen time wise, because it is also a different time zone, Bahrain for the U.S., Um, so that was one of the things that we had to deal with, or even um, while you were there, um, you're sending out different people to different detachments. So still understanding where they are. Um, a lot of the admin was very different there since you know you don't have all the uh, usual amenities that you have in an office, say a printer. You Everybody maybe has like one printer and like you're fighting over the one printer in a sense of trying to ensure you're printing everything or even um, you you just don't have as much technology as you would. And internet is not as um, 
you know, you take advantage of what you have in the state. So when you, you go to a different country in a different location on a training base, um, especially with uh, all the other people that are there, everything, the, the resources are a little scarce. It's not as like, it's not like there's a bunch of printers. There's a lot of Wi-Fi. There was like these little egg pods we had um, to be able to do the things that we needed to do. So were you doing much more face-to-face stuff then? Did you find you had to um, communicate differently compared to in a sort of non-military environment? Yeah, so it was really, um, it wasn't the same as in if we were back in the States, we would just kind of pick up the phone. Hey, can you bring so-and-so from this department to come up? Now you're kind of literally, you have to go send a person to go find if they're in this work um, area and see if they're there. If not, what shift are they working? And you're like, what time is it? If you don't have on a watch or if you don't have a clock in your office, you're really going to kind of set yourself up for failure. Um, I think sometimes we did have like walkie talkies, but other times we were more so a face-to-face kind of like, hey, you go find X, Y person to tell them to be here at this time. Um, because, you know, like I said, not everyone had laptops, so you can't just send the email and the person's going to receive it. So I guess I can see that was quite, um, you know, an experience, if you like. So um, you ser- served eight years there and then you came out. Did you study and are you working in private sector? What, what did you, what have you been doing recently? Um, So while I was studying for my graduate degree at the University of Pittsburgh, I was also doing work in the community. Um, And some of the community work they have you do alongside the program is I was uh, assisting with case management and a lot of the outward facing initiatives for the Manufacturing Assistance Center, a part of the university. And so what they do is offer different courses related to um, manufacturing in a sense. So the basic, the advanced um, and um, and even more advanced. And so essentially through the program, when you're helping the different individuals is that they're able to then get a job for about 15 or $19 an hour. And most of the population that I assisted with were previously incarcerated. So that was a new experience for me in understanding what does it look like and how do I utilize my social work lens and keep in line my code of ethics. Right. So you've been studying and then you've been helping to redeploy people, not necessarily um, veterans, but people um, who've been in prison. Is that that's what your role has been? Yeah, that's what Mm -hmm. um, I was doing there. And so through that, a lot of my skills in the sense of organization came into play because no one had done that role before. There was Mm -hmm. like, how can we utilize social work and how can we utilize just kind of the people skills in this manner? And so we were able to just kind of start to think about what this could look like, how we could put this together um, and working with the staff, um, being in the staff meetings, understanding what my role was and understanding where I fell in that. Um, It was definitely a really great experience that allowed me to continue to learn. And even being in Pittsburgh, I'm not originally from here, but every day I say that I continue to learn something new of a neighborhood or a person or, you know, things like that. So in terms of your um, the people that you've been working with, would you see there are specific um, differences between when you've been working as veterans or um, if you're bringing people back from um, incarceration? Or would you see that there's any specific skills you as a, a people professional have, have needed to use or do you or is it the same as regular um, private sector workers? So I would say that with a veteran, they are um, they are calculated in the sense of they know that they're gonna, they know they're coming out, they have skills, but the problem begins with translation of skills. 
if I were a um, sergeant who was in and I was managing a unit or a, a platoon or whatever of X amount of people, how do I now tell my civilian employer that I have leadership skills? How do I now tell them I have management skills? And understanding that your time in is definitely a quiet, like the time you, you were in is definitely something that adds to that because most people your age are not in leadership positions to do half of the work that mm -hmm. you've done. So what does that look like? Because, you know, there's a lot of leadership programs. They're telling you what to do, how to do it. But the problem becomes if you do not implement the skills, then you will not grow the skills. So are you saying then that um, often the veterans have had the real experience of leadership? They've, they've done got the, the experience, but they need to work out how to communicate the theory or uh, apply it. And um, with your civilians that they may know the theory, but they haven't got the experience. Is that what you're saying? Um, that's what I tend to see sometimes, especially if you're a younger. So for myself, I'm 28. I'll be 29 in a couple of weeks. Um, most people I know at, at my age are not doing a lot of the things in leadership in this manner. Um, they're not, because when you do, when you're leading people in the military, it's a little bit of life and death. So you can't really get it wrong in certain ways. There's more weighing on you in the sense of if you get someone's paperwork wrong, that's related to their life insurance. That's related to their family. Now in the civilian sector, depending on what it is, if you even get the opportunity to lead, you may not have such a detrimental uh, effect to happen. And I think that also tends to be because in the in the civilian um, sector, those who are leading are usually the older um, in professionals and they haven't necessarily got to the point where they passed the baton. So now you are then um, causing this effect that young professionals are not gaining the skills to lead. So when it is now their turn, they're kind of a little lost and now we'll turn to, you know, the leadership courses and hoping to implement them. But with all the other things that go come along with supervision um, and, and leadership roles, sometimes that can get lost in translation. Um, mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, all of it is also about people, right? How do we make sure we treat people right? How do we make sure that we can put ourselves in their shoes? Would you want someone to treat you in a certain way, like your paperwork? You don't want it to just get thrown to the side or not be organized. Um, so that's what I like to keep in mind um, with anyone that I work with is how would I feel if I was taught to do this way? And the when you've got your, um, if you take a veteran, for example, so do you feel that they have a, a particular level of skills that they can bring to the civilian workplace more easily or, or that, that bring particular value to an organization? Yeah, because um, a lot of the veterans I do talk with, they are ready to work. They have this, this initiative and this energy because now they are on, I don't wanna call it the outside. <laughs> now they are in the civilian sector and they're like, what is it that I can do? I can lead Marines. I can make sure this is done on time. I can make sure I can guide people here. So how could I fit into your, um, how can I fit into your company? That is literally what I asked um, my current employer um, that I'll be starting at when I um, initially saw them at a, a, a conference. I said, how can my skills fit here? I mean, yeah. not oh, right. is that right? You th good for you, but that's very flexible. So you actually sort of, yeah, you 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 declared it in that way and got them to think yeah. about your. So yeah. you're teaching people to do that. Yeah, I'm definitely always teaching people to learn how to use their voice. 
um, because that's the biggest thing. It's something that um, I think others would think is small, but if you think about it, it's so big because if you don't use your voice in the right way, then you know you miss out on opportunities and you miss out on helping someone else. Because even me talking to you right now is helping someone when they hear it, when they hear my story, and then they will then, it's like a good domino effect. And that's what I always strive to do is have that domino effect, whether it's what I'm doing in the office, whether I'm doing something in the community, it's that people are seeing you do this work and they're kind of wondering how. So now I'm gonna tell you the skills how, and I'm gonna continue to tell you. Um, my tagline for my business is consistent success is not done alone. Because even people who say I'm self-made, no, there was somebody that helped you to get to where you are, whether it's the laptop you use, you did not make that laptop. I'm either MacBook, HP, or someone else did. Like getting down to the nitty gritty of these details, it's very important to know that. So I'm really intrigued because, you know, you said you're 27, 28, you've had a successful military career, you're now helping other people. And and the way you come across your energy, you come across as very, very confident um, and inspiring in that way. And I wonder, have you learned to be that way or have you always been like that? Because quite often with people that I hear, um, some people don't have that same level of confidence. So, you know, you're saying about using your voice. I suppose the question is, have you... Have you always been this way or have you learned to? And if you're trying to teach someone else through their career to, to use their voice, what would you say or how would you help people? Um, I don't think I've always been this way because it wasn't, um, I don't think it, it was something that I had to literally grow. Um, but I also have my mom who is a Haitian immigrant who through her hard work and seeing how she's always helping people and doing things and just that example of someone who came from a different country, didn't know the language, didn't have any resources, but here she is now coming to make a, a better life. And I'm very faith driven. And, and a lot of the things I do are revolving around that, which, you know, reading the word and reading the Bible and guiding me to let me know that my inheritance for my grandchildren or my children's children is the work that I'm doing now. And so, like I said, the domino effect um, and how I, I help people is literally, we have to start with Simon Sinek. He always talks about your why. We have to start yeah. with the foundation. If we do not start with a foundation, we are, we are, it's pointless for us to even keep talking because I need to know why you're doing it. Like, what is your pitch? Why should I give you any money? Why should I even hire you? Why should I even be talking to you? You know, what is special about you or what can you do that you feel is special that no one else does? So would that be the root of your career coaching with somebody trying to help them literally find their why? Would you do the, the Simon Sinek approach with them, spend some time coaching them? Yeah. So I always want to ask, you know, why are you seeking um, the services now? What is so different about now than maybe yesterday, than a month ago? It's usually like a life event or, you know, I, I quit a job here or I wanted to go into a new skill or I just really want to learn how to talk about myself or even preparing for like a new chapter in life. Um, a, a previous client that I had on a consultation is going to start graduate school at one of a pretty uh, prestigious graduate school and, and do really great things. And the client just wanted to know, like, how is it that I start to assimilate, like, um, I'm sorry, how do I start to put myself in position with the subject matter that I'm in? And before we even talked about that, I was like, why are you wanting to go to graduate school, right? 
What is the motivation that is bringing you to this point? What have what the the however many years of experience that you have in this sector? How will it translate, and what will be the end result? And so, as we talk through that, it started to come out. We started to find you know different things. And through my sessions, I always try to give a resource, whether it is a book, because we are always continuously learning. Um, if we look at a lot of the prominent leaders in the country or in the um, internationally, they always tell you they either read for 15 minutes or an hour, but they read. And so I want to make sure that my clients understand you have to implement this and make this a habit. You have to learn to if you want to be the subject matter expert, you have to stay abreast what's going on. If that's staying with the association that's related to your study, it's that. if that's even looking at different papers related to the work that you're doing. Um, and so I, I always try to give those resources and I give homework, you, you know, uh, because you are paying for a service. You are paying me to tell you and, and to kind of align this plan with the work that you're doing. And so I want to ensure that I'm doing my due diligence. So um, with that then, because you've also been studying and working, haven't you? So uh, <laughs> have you? How has that been? And and have they been? Have you found synergy between the two, or has it been a challenge? I'm sure it's been busy. Um, it's been busy because um, I'm also a mom and a wife. Um, but I definitely. I, I, sometimes I try not to say balance, but prioritize. Mm -hmm. I know that at the end of the day, when if all this was removed from me, um, I have my family. And so I make sure that I am doing what I need to do at home and enjoying the time with my family and understanding the, the reason behind this work, right? So my son is going to see the work that I'm doing, whether it's anything published, whether it's any stories I've done and just kind of be like, man, my mom did X, Y, Z. Now, what is it that I can do? Not to pressure him, but for him to see that it is possible. So you're in inspiring again there as terms of you, you've got quite a quite a serious work ethic in terms of, of keeping things going and prioritizing everything. Yeah, it, it calls for um, it calls for you to be consistent. I think that's the biggest thing is one. It takes about, I believe, the studies say 21 days to make a habit. Mm -hmm. We can make really great habits when we take the time to focus on maybe one or two goals. Yes. Now, we'll try to do seven you get lost. <laughs> so we want to try to focus. Um, and that's what I identify goals and, and objectives for my clients um, as we talk through it together, because we are doing this together, you know, right? I'm not going to just tell you do this and then that's it. We're going to talk through it. We're going to use those motivational interviewing skills. How is it that we're going to do this? And you're going to answer, you know, these questions as they follow up. So does, uh, that's another skill then. Do you, we've, we've done a, a, a podcast on um, motivational interview or interviewing skills. Is that something, do you teach them how to interview well? Is that one of the things you'd also support people with in your career coaching? Find out what they want to do and then, and why they want to do it and also how to communicate it? Yes, because I find that um, when I do talk to some people, just them communicating regularly, it kind of makes me wonder, what are you like, you know, if you are nervous, right? If you have not practiced, not to say that you have to go through a whole interview, you know, mock interview 10 times, mm. but you kind of do need to think about those questions they ask you, such as if you were to have, you know, something go wrong, what would be the first thing that you do? Yeah. Or if, you know, these questions, like what is your biggest weakness or what is your weakness? Understanding how you answer that question, not just saying, well, I'm late all the time and X, Y, Z, 
you're already kicking yourself in the uh, in the in the butt because it's not gonna work out. But really learning how to talk about what you did, talk about how you can go about making the right decision, especially um, aligning with the the company's mission, right? Because essentially we are in a professional realm and we have to understand we are now the ambassador for that company, depending on whatever the role is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in terms of your um. Uh, your career and, and uh, your you've moved out from one into into another what what are you hoping to do next what are your aspirations um so next year <laughs> i will be starting a phd program okay. um in community engagement um and i'm really excited for that i i never really imagined myself doing a phd program but i am very thankful that god has allowed me to follow that path Um, And my interest is really into financial literacy. Um, As I've been able to do a lot of things at my age, um, I bought my house at 25. Me and my husband bought a house at 25. And so um, I just want to kind of really see what it is, especially for the um, African-American community. What does financial literacy look like for them? Not in the sense of I'm going to tell you what um, all the deficits. And that's one thing I want to learn and want to continue to talk in a way that is not deficit based. But of course, something has to be wrong for us to kind of now want to make action. Mm -hmm. But I want to move in a way that um, provides resources and provides the education. So if I say I don't know about my credit, okay, what is it that you don't know about your credit? And how is it you know, how has your family talked about it before? Because um, it's not enough literature deep diving into that because financial literacy or financial wellness is very emotionally and ancestral, like historically built within. So if your parents may not have been the best, then you most likely will not be the best if you don't seek out the knowledge and to, to continue to build. So it's, that's a very much, again, a purpose-driven next step as opposed to a classic. Would you actually consider yourself to be HR professional, human resources? It's, um, it seems that it's almost a straddling. You're, it's an independent role you're doing this in, is it? Um, yeah, but I will be starting my HR role in actually this month. Um, and so it really taking all the skills that I have is very um, crucial because when we think about some of these areas, some people usually just kind of sit on one skill and then that's it. And, you know, um, I, I saw that on a research project I was doing with another university where um, they were like, well, we don't know how to engage the community. And to me, I'm just like, well, find someone who is the community leader, align with them, tell them what your mission is. Don't just go into the community and just be like, we are going to do this. We have this study. That's, you're not going to get anybody. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's kind of the same in a lot of sectors, especially um, within in, in, um, business. You don't just tell anybody like, here's my business. You're just going to buy it. You align yourself with the people who've been doing it for a while and you start to continue to talk to them. And they say, you know what? I have a friend Annette, who's been doing this business, I think you should check it out. Why will they check it out? Because they trust you. Yeah. You know? I trust this massive. So it translates very well. <laughs> yeah. So so you're going to do a PhD and you're going to work in an HR role as well? Yeah. So the PhD is on a working professional schedule. Um, so it is not necessarily like, um, uh, like, I guess you could say a traditional where you're you're just mainly in school the whole time. Um, so, Yeah. That is, that's what I'll be doing fall 2021. 
Fantastic. And so what, what is the core part of the HR role But then? What's the core part of your the, the new job, if you like, the classic job bit of it? Yeah. Um, so actually, it'll just I'll be doing a couple of different departments. So it'll be benefits. Then we'll have recruiting. Um, so they're, they're kind of having you move around. But right now with COVID, um, I'll be starting from home. So right. it'll be a little bit different. So I'm not sure what that'll look like pretty soon. But I know I'm, I'm gearing up for that. And I'm pretty excited to see this new journey. So you're going to get a sort of almost like an HR rotation. Yes. To whatever extent you're able to do it with COVID restrictions in place. So that's quite exciting. So you'll be able to experience all the aspects of it, um, whether it's administration, learning development or um, recruitment, as well as your career piece that you've got going on already, I guess. Yeah, the career piece that that's on my own um, own accord, and that has really um, that emerged out of out of the pandemic, um, out of um, kind of. I was already doing this type of work for people, but I never charged people. And I was like, "You should make this a business." And I was just like, "No, I think I'll just." And I was like, "Hold on, I'm taking out a lot of time to draw this stuff up. Somebody's going to pay me." Good for you. Because I also do nonprofit consulting, which. Um, that what that's another one of my specialties with my my masters because we go through board development governance um, fundraising so I don't want to say you name it I can do it but I'm I have a, a pretty extensive <laughs> list of skills um, to be able to pivot so I'm interested because you've been so academic since leaving the military were you academic before you went into it um, so I I was doing community college I graduated high school. I did it for about a year and then then I joined the military. So that was my extent to kind of um, doing a lot of college. Um, but now I don't know, something about it just draws yeah. me in to continue to learn, to be in the environment. It's really refreshing. Um, and I also want to state that when, once I do my research, I, I do not want my research to sit on someone's bookshelf. I want it to be applied to communities. Um, I want people to really learn about this important sector because yeah. it adds yeah. to the quality. I, I can of life. hear your passion coming through. It's wonderful. So, so one just, just as, as we kind of draw <laughs> towards the end of our conversation, um, would you think have there been any challenges during your career that you'd either do differently or you'd make you'd uh, give yourself your younger self some advice to do things differently? Is there anything you'd share? there um so challenge wise i think um as i was coming into the professional world was more of my confidence sometimes and how i would like well i don't know if i can do this because you know i haven't been in a professional mm -hmm. world as long as my counterparts you know i was in the military that might not mean anything um so really learning not to undervalue myself that's been my biggest challenge um, cause so many people will tell me, oh no, the military is such a, a really good, um, experience than others who may not like the military, what it stands for. They just kind of, um, toss it to the side. But once I, and, um, I don't want to say I don't tell people I'm a veteran, but I kind of work up to it to kind of see. It. Yeah. Because once I, I kind of just kind of continue to talk, they're like, okay, you are interesting. Then I say the veteran piece, they're like, oh, really? I, I didn't see that. And I was just like, oh, I don't know if I should say that as a compliment. <laughs> but um, I think my younger self, I would have, I would just tell myself, you know, keep your, keep your head up, really be confident and just don't give up because this ride so far professionally has is not, I will say it's not linear. So it's not the most traditional at all, but it is my road that I'm okay. able to still help so many people. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. Um, 
because psychology is very useful in so many facets. Social work um, is not just about child welfare. And I think that's one of the biggest things I wanted to make sure that people understand. Um, the social work skills and program evaluation, um, looking at public policy, um, those things, like if you think about, uh, I wanna say Francis Perkins and think about child labor laws, that is social work. Those were social workers. Um, we can go even further back in history, but social work is so embedded in most of the things that we do in society, we don't even think about it. Um, so my younger yeah. self, definitely confidence. Um, I, I guess it's the same for what I just said about, about you know, challenge. Um, just having that confidence to, to not giving up because there is literally a light at the end of the tunnel and you don't know who else you may be That's able wonderful. to help your story. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And I... I think you should go run for president actually it's <laughs> you're a really fantastic ex <laughs> an inspiring way about you um and I can't believe how much you've achieved in you know less you've not even hit 30 yet so where are you going to be in 20 years time will be even more exciting so really grateful to you for joining us on the HR Uprising podcast um would it be okay if people want to link in with you to connect with you we have obviously international listeners you're in the states but people from all sides um they reach out to you if they've listened to the podcast and want to be connected yeah that would be amazing I'm on LinkedIn Annette Nance and then my website AnnetteNance.com or if you want to send me an e email info at AnnetteNance.com I'm definitely open for dialogue and obviously my services and we can go from there brilliant well i'll put them on the bottom of the show notes um as well so that people can access it from hruprising.com if you don't already know that so thank you once again and enjoy the rest of the day thank you for listening to the hr uprising podcast you can access more information including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website www.hruprising.com also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.